I don't mind being labeled as an introvert. I think it's kind of a cool thing. <laughs> a feature or like trait in an introvert is that you kind of crave deeper connections and you'd rather spend more one-on-one -on -one time with a person and talk a bit more about like life things or, or have something a bit deeper than a shallow conversation that you might have with like a group of people. What I have learned over the years is to figure out what works for me um, and to kind of make peace with knowing that I'm different from an extroverted person. Growing up, I definitely felt a bit more ashamed or um, like I felt like something was wrong with me. Like, why couldn't I be more outgoing? Why? Why couldn't I be more how other people seemed to be? But now I think I just embrace it and um, I like, I like talking about it. I don't mind being labeled as an introvert. Most friends I've made in the industry are like 99% introvert, um, but there definitely are creative extroverts. I think it's just as an introvert, I might be drawn to other people who are very similar to have a relationship where we can kind of commiserate about the same things, um, you know, know somebody who gets you like in your soul basically um, but yeah in my experience I've definitely noticed a trend there I don't think it's something that can be changed very easily and I wouldn't want someone to feel like they should change themselves I think it's just a bit who you are but um, you have to it just takes time to learn how you work and and what works best for you Welcome back everyone to another episode of American Real. This week our guest is Katie Vaz, who talks about what it means to be introverted. Katie found true purpose in being labeled an introvert and has built a business around it. She opened an Etsy shop that led to the placement of her greeting cards in a shop in New York City where a literary agent discovered her work. Her agent connected her to a publisher and now Katie is on the verge of signing for her fourth book deal. Katie offers many ideas and tools for introverts, and I'm hopeful this episode will provide a better understanding and appreciation for those who are shy and reticent. So sit back and relax as I welcome Katie Vaz.
This is American Real. I am Roger Brooks. My guest today is Katie Boss, author, illustrator, and graphic designer. Yes, thank you so much for having me, by the way. Welcome, welcome to the show, Katie. <laughs> thank you. I'm so excited to talk to you about your latest project and your, and your other projects that you've done, but this one is called The Escape Manual for Introverts. I really enjoyed working on it. So I'm an introvert myself, which most people can usually guess right away. Um, but yeah, it's an illustrated book about how to get out of social situations as an introvert. So it's broken up into different categories of um, how well you know somebody. So it starts with friends and family and goes to acquaintances and strangers. And um, the excuses start out kind of sincere and very practical. And then they get a bit more bizarre and hilarious with the uh, less you know somebody because I figured you, you don't have much to lose when you'll never see anybody again. But it's based on um, a lot of life experience of you know, being an introvert and wanting to get out of so many social situations and not really sure, you know, how to do that or, um, you know, kind of daydreaming about all the ways that would be really fun to get out of things. So I kind of pulled from all that experience and put it into a book that hopefully other introverts will relate to. That's so great. What was the inspiration for you to, to write this and, and illustrate it? Yeah, um, I think just like spending my whole life being an introvert and uh, when I was younger, I didn't really know much about what being an introvert meant. I don't think I really discovered the term until I was in my 20s or something. But growing up, um, I think I always felt like something was wrong with me and I don't think being an introvert was really well understood. So um, I spent a lot of time like feeling like something was wrong with me, I guess, like why, why am I not more outgoing or why, you know, why would I rather be at home on a Friday instead of going out to a party or something? So yeah, so just like that type of experience um, in combination with learning what an introvert was when I was a bit older and kind of having a light bulb moment like, oh, okay, I'm not weird. A lot of people are like this. It's not, you know, anything abnormal. And um, yeah, I just wanted to like kind of make light of what it's like having that experience of um, kind of always feeling different, but you know, like not sure, you're not sure what's wrong with you. Um, and then kind of learning, okay, you know, everything is normal, I'm normal, it's not weird. And um, there are a lot of people who will relate to this. So I wanted to make something that other introverts would be like, okay, it's not just me. <laughs> That's great. No, and I love the illustration part of the book as Thank well, you. because it adds, a, a, you know, an additional element uh, to the text. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's very relatable. Yeah, I, I was hoping that. Um, I wanted to illustrate the different um, escapes and excuses, and uh, I really think it's important to amuse yourself when you're in a creative field to draw things that make you laugh and, and things that you would relate to. So that's where a lot of the, the ideas come from in the illustrations. And what I think is interesting is a lot of people who say they're introverts or, or claim to be introverts have this incredible creative side to them. Yeah. Have you come across that in, in your experience? I think so. I think most friends I've made in the industry are like 99% introvert. Um, but there definitely are creative extroverts. I think it's just as an introvert, I might be drawn to other people who are very similar to have a relationship where we can kind of commiserate about the same things, um, you know, know somebody who gets you like in your soul basically um, but yeah in my experience I've definitely noticed a trend there I think so let's talk about 
your past as far as what got you to this point. So you have a very creative mind, you're a designer, um, you write, and you're a graphic artist. Yes. Um, how long has this been in you? Um, I think probably, I mean, when I was a kid, I loved drawing, and I think pretty early on I knew I wanted to be some sort of like artist or um, you know someone who draws things for a living. I think one of the first things I kind of was drawn to was interior design, which I, what I thought it was is not actually what it is, but I loved drawing pictures of houses and tree houses and things like that when I was younger. And um, I think I heard about the term interior design and I was like, oh great, you can draw stuff and, and get paid for it, like that sounds great. And then um, in high school it kind of evolved into the graphic design realm. I took a class in senior year um, and that was the first time I had really like experienced anything with graphic design, but I did like it and uh, I knew that it was a, um, a degree I could study in college. So. I, at the time, was still like, I'm like 17, I have really no idea what I want to do with my life, but I love drawing and this seems like a good way to combine like drawing and some sort of like professional career. So I went to school for graphic design. Um, I went to a two-year school first and then transferred to a four-year school and got a bachelor's degree in graphic design. And then I went to graduate school in Germany for two years and studied more graphic design. What prompted Germany? Yeah, so when I, I remember thinking when I was an undergrad that there was the, um, the opportunity to do the study abroad type mm -hmm. of thing, but I, for some reason, was just like, that would be so cool, but I, I don't know, it seems so like foreign to me like that I would be able to do something like that. So it was something I wanted to do, but um, didn't know how to get there, I guess. So right, right around the time I was graduating college, my dad passed away, and that combined with entering the adult world and having like absolutely no idea what I was supposed to do next, the, um, the opportunity about um, there being a graduate school that I could go to kind of popped up and I, I think I, I don't know, like something felt right about it and I think it was something that I could like grasp onto, like okay, this is some sort of path that I could go on. Everything else, you know, in my personal life was completely turned upside down and um, Everyone else I was graduating with seemed to have an idea of like, oh, I'm going to this city and getting this job, and I was just like, I don't know, that's, <laughs> that's a lot of stuff to decide, and um, I was just really lost, but Germany became some sort of like clear thing in front of me, and uh, I just kind of went for it. I think now when I think back about it, I, I don't know, I'm surprised that I did it a little bit. <laughs> I was going to say you were brave. <laughs> yeah. Um, I didn't really think about it at the time. Like I knew, okay, I'm going over here by myself. Um, when I arrived in Germany, I was meeting a friend of an acquaintance who would, would pick me up and take me to the dorm I would be staying at on campus. And uh, it was just kind of, I don't know, like hopping on a plane and going to a foreign country and meeting a stranger and like, okay, this is where I live now. I just, I don't know, I think it's probably good I didn't think too hard about it because I would have psyched myself out, but, um, yeah, I don't know if it's just a combination of like everything that, that changed in my life. It was just like, well, this is like the clearest thing right now, I guess. But um, I did freak out a little bit <laughs> when I arrived. I think it kind of sunk in. And uh, I called my mom and I was like, oh, like, what did I do? What? I'm crazy. <laughs> um, and I know it was like a very expensive phone call probably, but she was really great and told me that I could do it. And she's always been super supportive. but. Um, 
um, he just told me to like get some rest, eat some food, and uh, I think I ate a bowl of Cheerios and went to bed, and the next day was okay. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. What city were you in? I lived in Dessau, which is about, I think, like an hour and a half, two hours south of Berlin, so it was on the eastern side okay. of Germany. And what prompted Germany out of all countries? Was, do you have a, a connection um, there? No, actually, no. I don't even, I didn't speak German at the time. I think it was the, the school that I could go to happened to exist in Germany. And um, it's, I think, for the most part, very affordable to go to school in Europe. So it wasn't very expensive. It was um, somewhat of a hard program to get into, but I think I had a recommendation from a professor at um, the college I was going to before. And so I think like it, I don't know, the opportunity came up and I didn't really question like, oh, I should consider other countries or other schools. It just, it was there. <laughs> and what happens after Germany? So after two years when I graduated from there, um, I went on a short trip to China with one of my friends that I, I got really close to there. My sister came over um, with me and we went to China together and that was really, that was a cool trip. It was like such a culture shock, really. Um, but we traveled around there for a couple of weeks. And then soon after that, I moved back home to the States. Um, I knew that I wanted to be back in the States where my family was. I really, I fell in love with living in Europe, but it never really felt like a home to me. So um, I think the plan was always that it was like a temporary place. But I moved back home and um, kind of entered what I like to say is like my quarter life crisis phase. I, again, felt completely lost about what to do next. And um, I think growing up and in college, uh, it was kind of drilled into us that you go to New York City, you go to some big city, and that's the only way you can be successful, um, especially in this type of creative field. And I knew that wasn't really what would make me happy. I didn't, I didn't want to live there. So I just stayed at home to, um, figure out like some other plan where I could be closer to my family. And so I opened up an Etsy shop just for fun um, to keep practicing and stay creative. And uh, I learned a little bit about hand lettering and illustration in graduate school. So I thought, well, this could be a great way just to practice and to keep me busy until I figure out what to do. Um, but my products, I put art on greeting cards and um, made some art prints and things like that. They started selling pretty quickly though. And I was a little bit surprised about it, but I, at the same time, realized how much I actually loved that work, especially the illustration aspect of it. And um, so even though I went to school for graphic design, this felt like more natural to me, I guess. And um, some art directors had seen my work on Etsy just browsing for whatever reason, and that led to getting some freelance projects. And it was sort of like, um, I don't know, like a stepping, everything was a stepping stone. So one project led to someone else seeing it. And then um, a couple projects later, a literary agent saw some of my work in a gift shop in New York City that I, I had done for someone else who had seen me on Etsy. And she reached out and asked if I had any book ideas. And I was like, oh my god, yes. But I thought that was for future me way down the line. Um, so we've been working together ever since. And she helped me pitch my first book idea to a publisher. And um, since then, I've had two other books come out, and I'm currently about to sign on a fourth book deal. That's so awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and I have them here. Uh, so the first book, I believe. 
that one. Is this yep. one, right? Don't yeah. worry, eat cake. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us about this. <laughs> sure. So that's an adult coloring book. And um, the idea behind it was I felt really frustrated with all of the inspiration I was seeing on like Pinterest and in stores and all over the internet where it was about um, like working till you're dead and like always hustling and making everything perfect. And some of it is helpful sometimes, but I was like, this isn't useful for like the normal human experience. Like some days are really hard and I wanted something to put on my wall that celebrated when I got out of bed on certain days that it was really hard to do something like that. Um, and it tied in a little bit to mental health because I was going through um, some issues with anxiety at the same time. And uh, yeah, I just wanted to see more inspiration about like real life stuff. And so I gathered all of the ideas for that and it turned into that coloring book. Amazing. <laughs> and then your second book, and by the way, is this still available? It is, yep. I think on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and um, a local bookstore should be able to order it. Great. Make yourself cozy. Yeah. So yeah, that was my second book, and that is an illustrated guide for practicing self-care. And that one uh, tied in a little bit more to my experience with having anxiety. So I kind of gathered all of the tips I've learned and the things that have been recommended to me um, that are helpful with practicing mindfulness and um, uh, like finding ways to slow down and calm your mind. And um, I also wanted to show that self-care, because it's such a like buzzword now, that it's not something that has to be expensive or doesn't have to even be time-consuming. I wanted to show that it could be like very attainable for anybody, and it um, yeah, like you don't need a ton of money or time to do that. And um, yeah, so it's it's also based on um, personal experience. I think I have a hard time making anything that's not. I, I can't make something that I don't know sure. on like a deep level. And was producing this somewhat therapeutic in itself? Because I would think going through and developing all this content, you really had to think about this. Yeah. Put it together, collect all your thoughts. But I would think it would also be therapeutic yeah. for, for yourself. Definitely. I think... Um, even though like I made a book about things like that, I still struggle with it. So <laughs> as I was making some of the art, I'm like, I should follow more of this more regularly. But it was a really good reminder because it is easy to lose track of things like that when you're really busy. And um, I think working for yourself, there's a lot of pressure to always be working. And so uh, it was hard work working on the book, but at the same time, a really good reminder that I needed breaks and to rest and um, yeah, that it was okay. And can you talk about your fourth book? A little bit, I think. Yes. Yeah, so um, I'm waiting for the paperwork to go through right now. But it, it's very different from any other book I've made. So I feel very excited but very vulnerable about it because it's much more personal. Um, even though the other books are still like tied to my personal life, this is more of a memoir type of book um, in combination with illustration. So I've been working on the manuscript for it since last year with my agent, and right now I'm working on the artwork for it. So I, I believe it will be coming out next summer, but yeah, it's more it's exciting. Of a, yeah, it's more of like a written book compared to like purely illustration. Sure. Yeah. And I see a natural progression in your work. Thank right? you. You started with the coloring or the the note the coloring book. Coloring book, yeah. Right. And then, you know, you go into this and and now 
this is your third book and mm -hmm. now a memoir. Yeah. I think uh, I've actually noticed that too. I think my drawing style has definitely grown over the years. Um, yeah, and I think maybe I've just grown more into myself. Um, I guess it's been a bit of a journey figuring out who I am, which everyone kind of goes through that, but I get to put my experience on paper and make it into a book, which I think is really cool. <laughs> yeah, and think about the greats like uh, Michelangelo. I mean, all artists mm -hmm. started somewhere. Yeah. And if you follow their career, you know, it's just amazing to see the growth, and I see that here. It's really Thank neat. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. I think um, sometimes I feel like it's really hard to, when you see someone else's story, sometimes it can look like it's an overnight success or something and it's easy to feel like oh I'm not doing the right thing or or even be like jealous of it but I think there's always behind the scenes like a ton of hard work and a ton of um, yeah like you said you have to start somewhere and often it's you know kind of at the bottom and you have to work really hard and I think it's like a slow pace sometimes for me what it's felt like for to get things going but um, yeah I don't know I just feel like that's important to remember that behind the scenes it sometimes is like a lot more work than you expect. Yeah, and it's yeah. a journey, right? It's, a journey, yeah. yeah. Okay, well, um, I know one of the things that um, is important to you is travel. Hmm. You love to travel, and um, you know, we talked about Germany, but beyond Germany, can, can you talk about some of your travels sure. and what that has meant to you? Yeah, so before Germany, I had traveled to Hawaii for, I was on the cheerleading team in high school, which I think is also kind of weird because I'm so introverted that I also was a cheerleader. I'm not sure it makes sense, but it was fun. But I went to um, uh, some sort of like halftime tournament thing, and that was the first time I had traveled without like any parents. I went with a couple of other girls on the team. Um, and that was really exciting, like the first time away on your own. And it didn't feel, um, I guess it felt really natural traveling. And then I went to Spain in high school with um, like a foreign language club. And that was my first experience in Europe. And um, again, it felt really natural to travel. And uh, I didn't feel done with traveling after that. So uh, while in Germany, I made sure to travel as much as I could. I um, made use of the cheap plane tickets and trains. Uh, it's so easy to get everywhere. Um, and being near Berlin, that was a really good base for traveling around. So um, I was able to visit other countries like France and England, um, Scotland, and I also traveled to like Poland and the Ukraine wow. and a little bit all over. But uh, yeah, then I, then I went to China after um, graduating, and after moving back home, it was a couple of years before I traveled again. I think there's like this transitional period, just getting back into like being used to being with my family and in the States, but um, in the last couple of years, I've started traveling more, and it sort of felt like slipping back into like a, I don't know, like a favorite outfit or something. Like I kind of forgot about it for a little bit. Um, but yeah, it's like a familiar friend type of feeling, I think. So um, recently I went to Singapore and Thailand. I, uh, another good friend that I met while living in Germany is from Singapore. So I was lucky enough to get to go to her wedding oh, earlier this year. Yeah. How does the travel impact your work, if, if at all? Um, I think it does impact my work. I think some uh, like motifs kind of pop up like in pattern design and some illustrations I've made. Um, 
after a couple of trips, I would illustrate a map of, of where we visited, and some pieces of that have turned into other projects that have turned into real work, and I think it's just interesting to see how everything kind of affects something in the future, even if you don't really see it at first. Um, so yeah, even things that haven't come out yet from a recent trip, I, I'm sure will come out at some point. Yeah, and you often hear people say, you know, connect the dots backwards. Like, yeah. You, you never think at the time that it might get you there, but when you look back on it, it's like, wow, this came from that, and mm -hmm. it was because of that. Right. It's, yeah, it's kind of weird to think about. It's a little bit trippy, I think. It is. It really is. <laughs> yeah. You think about it. Wow. <laughs> One of the things I noticed uh, is that you have a, an interest in food. Yeah. <laughs> And I'd love to talk about that because I'm also a food lover. Yay! So I think like I don't have any formal training in like cooking or baking. No one in my family was a chef or anything like that. It's just always been like a very deep, um, I don't know, like enjoyment of something I've I've always like come back to. I think growing up, my dad was very much into cooking and. At the time, I didn't really think anything of it, but um, a lot of my memories now when I think back are somehow tied to meals we had together or um, seeing him cook. And I think it's become like a, I don't know, like a nostalgic thing at this point. And um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I really, I love most things about it. And it's sometimes how I soothe myself when I'm not feeling okay. It's like the first thing I want to do to celebrate, like signing a book deal. I'm like, okay, let's go out to eat or something. <laughs> um, and I sometimes like will look up a menu if I know I'm going to a restaurant like days ahead of time and get excited about what to order. And uh, when I was traveling, I loved the, the aspect of trying new foods. I always wanted to hear what was traditional and what um, like a local would recommend and go there. And uh, I think anytime I hear anyone going on vacation or, or on a trip somewhere, I the first thing I want to ask is what did you eat, what was good, what was weird, I don't know. Um, and it's just something that everyone, I think, can relate to and it's, it's easy to talk about even with strangers. I think um, I'm not very good at small talk at like networking or parties, but I feel like food or travel always right. comes up as a thing. And it's common enough that, yeah. that everyone could share in it. Yeah. So what are some of your favorite uh, dishes to make? Yeah. And then we'll talk about going out to eat, what, what your favorite dishes sure. are to order. Um, I currently, so it changes all the time. I feel like I love something so much that I become like obsessed with it and then I get sick of it and I can't eat it for a long time. But right now I really love homemade ramen. So mm. I will make, um, usually I just use like the cheap packet of noodles, but I make my own broth with, um, I love spicy food, so I make it with uh, miso and sriracha. Yeah. That's like a treat for myself, I guess. I've um, made ramen Fridays for myself because I work from home, so I don't get to, you know, take part in like casual Fridays or things like that. So to amuse myself, I was like, we're gonna do <laughs> <laughs> to my dog, like, hey, it's gonna be ramen Fridays or something. Um, but yeah, that's my current favorite food, I think, right now. Or anything spicy. I've been on a spicy kick. Nice. <laughs> yeah. What about when you're out? What are your favorite dishes to order? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think I, I always have to eat, like, what I'm in the mood for. I have a very hard time, um, like, just cooking something for the sake of cooking something or going out just because I think I have to be craving something. So... 
Um, right now, I really love going to Thai restaurants mm. to order um, red curry. That's my favorite at a Thai time right okay. now. They make a great red, red curry. curry. Red curry, yeah. Um, and I get it a little spicier than normal, and it's perfect. <laughs> um, but other than that, I really love um, pasta dishes. I guess there's like a carb noodle theme going on here. But um, yeah, I really love ordering. Um, trying to think of the last pasta I had. I had something at Tony's in Endicott a couple, like a month or so ago that was really great. It was um, very garlicky, and I think it had like a cream sauce or something. Mm. I love um, very strong flavors, I guess, like garlic and um, any sort of like heat with it. How about bolognese? Have you ever had a pasta bolognese? I don't think so, actually. I And I was in Italy last year for my honeymoon, and okay. I, for some reason, I think I was overwhelmed by all the things I could eat, and I, I didn't have that. Um, but yeah, I, that's on my list of things I should eat. <laughs> so it's funny, because when we were in Italy, um, one of the things I did was every restaurant we went to, I ordered bolognese because okay. I wanted to taste the difference between you know the different restaurants okay and it was amazing because I love it you know right. in general but you get to experience the different flavors yeah you know, and, and that was something really fun yeah definitely I can understand that um, I feel like when we were there a lot of it seemed like it was like personal recipes to each restaurant almost yes and the different regions you're in too have like totally different takes on like the same exact food. So that's, yeah, it's really interesting to compare to yeah. like a taste test. What cities were you in? We stayed in Salerno, which is down by the Amalfi Coast. Um, that was always, that's been on my like bucket list, I guess, for a while. But um, I wanted to stay someplace where it wouldn't be like impossible to get to. So after some re research, I, I heard that it, it's hard to get to certain cities on the coast because of, um, because it is a coast, it's like very jagged and there's not like a ton of public transportation. So we picked Salerno because it was right on the train route um, from Rome. So I think we didn't even have to change from Rome and that just sounded easier. And uh, it was a bit more affordable too because it was a bit off the beaten path. And um, so we stayed there for like three or four days, I think, and traveled around the area. We went um, up the coast one day and we also went to Pompeii one day, mm. which was really amazing to see in person. Yeah, we did that as well. Yeah, it's very eerie, mm -hmm. I thought. Um, and it was a lot bigger than I expected, mm -hmm. too. I, yes. Learning about it in school, I thought it was a, like a village size or something. Mm -hmm. Not like, I think it took us like 30 or 40 minutes to walk from one side like to the other, and I was not expecting that, I guess. Yeah, and for people that don't know, I don't remember the year, but there was a yeah. there was a um, eruption. Yep. From and the volcano nearby. Volcano and the entire city was just caught in standstill, right? Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of stuff that was like encased and like preserved because of how the like lava or ash kind of like crusted over. Mm -hmm. um, we saw some, I forget the word for it, but it's um, where someone was trapped under it and they made like a cast because uh, the body decomposes, but they were able to, you know fill it with plaster or something and you can see like very detailed um, sculptures of how yes. people died which is really it was really like heartbreaking to see at the same time especially the children right yeah you see a family and, and you would see the children yeah. yeah there was um, a cast of a dog too I yeah. think, which makes sense but it's uh, you don't really think about things like that like every daily life type of thing was just stopped mm -hmm. in its tracks Incredible. 
So if you don't mind, let's go back to talking about being an introvert. Sure. Here we've had a wonderful conversation. But I, I like to bring awareness to topics like this because it's something that, you know, a lot of people just don't, you don't talk about it. Yeah. Um, you, you talk about being an introvert, but here you are <laughs> and you've been on many podcasts. Um, is it something that you're conscious of? Like, do you say, okay, yes, I, you know, I, I've also talked about labels. Like, is it okay to label yourself mm -hmm. even as an introvert or label another as an introvert? Is that in itself doing some harm or um, is it just what it is? Yeah, I think nowadays it's okay to, um, for someone to be labeled that or even embrace it. I think maybe like a decade or so ago, um, that was about the time that I learned about what like an introvert meant. And I feel like that's when it became more like of a mainstream word. And um, a lot of introverts were like, um, I don't know, like, yeah, we're here. We're not, you know, nothing is wrong with us. This is a perfectly normal type of personality. And I think it was, it became like celebrated around um, within the last like 10 years or so. And so now I feel very proud to call myself an introvert, but growing up, I definitely felt a bit more ashamed or um, like I felt like something was wrong with me. Like, why couldn't I be more outgoing? Why, why couldn't I be more how other people seemed to be? But now I think I just embrace it. And um, I like I like talking about it. I don't mind being labeled as an introvert. I think it's kind of a cool thing. <laughs> and is it something that when you're thinking about it that, you know, 10 years from now, are you trying to get to a different place where you're not so introverted? Or do you just say, okay, I accept who I am. It's probably not going to change, but, you know, maybe my skill set of X, Y, or Z changes because of my awareness. Right. Um, I think that, at least in my opinion, I don't think it's something that can be changed very easily, and I wouldn't want someone to feel like they should change themselves. I think it's just a bit who you are, but um, you have to, it just takes time to learn how you work and, and what works best for you. So I think for me, um, Oh, I should mention too, I think it's also important to distinguish between being shy and being like socially anxious versus being introverted because they're all separate things. And um, before I knew much about it, I thought it was all grouped together. Mm -hmm. Like being an introvert just meant you were shy or something. But um, I think you can be introverted and you can love public speaking. You can um, like really love things like this and be supernatural, but it might drain you. So I think the distinguishing factor is if being around people uh, like it drains you and makes you tired or does it make you feel energized and, and more awake and ready and uh, I think it all comes down to that because you can be introverted and shy and anxious but I think you could also have anxiety as an extrovert too so I think um, depending on like what features you feel like you have I think um, like being shy and Anxious, those are things you might be able to work on a bit more, but being introverted is more of just like, that's how you were born, I guess, um, in my opinion. Okay. So for people that are listening or watching that are introverts, of course they should get your book to start, <laughs> right? They might like it. <laughs> <laughs> but what, what, what are some things you would recommend, you know, for 
you know, where you were 10, 15 years ago, you know, um, thinking back to those days, what would you recommend? Um, good question. I think I've been thinking about this a lot lately, just like growth and everything like that. But I think what I have learned over the years is to figure out what works for me um, and to kind of make peace with knowing that I'm different from an extroverted person. So like a networking event, for example, those make me super nervous. And I don't think I'm necessarily really great at being outgoing at them, but a feature or like trait in an introvert is that you kind of crave deeper connections and you'd rather spend more one-on-one -on -one time with person with a person and talk a bit more about like life things or, or have something a bit deeper than a shallow conversation that you might have with like a group of people. So I think I've kind of harnessed that um, because I know I, I'm better at that than I am at like making connections in like a very like huge group setting. I kind of just close off. But um, when I have focused on a deeper connection with somebody, those have almost always led to future relationships and collaborations and even friendships. So I feel like I've just had to let go of like how I think things should be based on some like very generic version of how everyone should act and um, have just learned what works for me and uh, using that the, to the best that I can, I guess. That's great. <laughs> so many people think about writing a book. <laughs> we actually teach a course here uh, about book writing, so we, we okay. really enjoy that, but not to the extent what, what you do, which is the illustrative part. Um, can you talk about the process and maybe some advice for people who are thinking about writing a book or want to do something similar to what you're doing? Sure. So in my experience, I've worked with a literary agent who has been amazing at helping me kind of enter the publishing world. So um, from in my journey, I've um, had ideas and have pulled it together with the help of someone who takes care of pitching it to publishers and she handles negotiations and contracts and I get to focus on the really fun part. Um, but before she reached out to me, I did not know that that was really an option that, uh, that I could kind of hire or work with somebody who would take over like the business side of everything and I, I could focus on like the really fun part. So um, if anyone isn't familiar with how that works, I would recommend pitching your ideas to a literary agent first um, if that interests you because it is really great having someone with their foot in the door already and someone who can provide advice about what's fair in the industry. Um, they can offer insight about the idea and how it compares to other ideas that are out there. I think just having someone on your team like that has been like so dreamy and incredible and uh, I can't imagine working any other way really or I feel like I wouldn't be where I am without her at this point. So I definitely recommend looking into an agent if you can. But um, I have a couple of contacts who have pitched directly to publishers. So you basically um, come up with an idea if you don't have one already and if you have it finished I believe you can submit the entire idea. But how it's always worked for me is you have a concept and then you have maybe a sample of the artwork and maybe an outline of the content like the, the text or something and then um, you submit it with a proposal. So in addition to the idea about the book you might um, 
have a list of other books that it's similar to and how yours is different. You might talk a little bit about yourself and the connections you have and, and how you could promote your book. Um, I think publishers lately are very interested in your presence on social media. So um, if you have a, a big following, that's usually something that will really help you out. Um, yeah, so in addition to that stuff, just like a, a summary about yourself and um, some comparisons and uh, the sample content. And that's usually what gets packaged up and sent to a publisher. So um, in my case, my agent did that. And in my friend's case, she did that herself and landed a book deal. And um, she doesn't have to um, uh, have like a, her, she doesn't have an agent who would take a cut of the profit. So um, that's one bonus if you don't work with an agent. But uh, in my opinion, my agent has always negotiated much higher than I would ever feel brave enough to. So. Um, I've always felt comfortable having someone um, have a cut of profits because it's, it, I would, yeah, it's worth it for me. <laughs> That's great. And you used the term team earlier, um, which I think is great because a lot of these projects, in, in some cases, like your friend, you can do it yourself. Yeah. Uh, but in other t times, you, we need others to help us. We need that team of support. Right. Uh, would you agree? Definitely. I think it's, it's so hard working for yourself because you... Um, you kind of wear a ton of hats, so you're you're handling like marketing and social media and accounting and also creative and whatever else. I can't think of it right now. But um, having someone else, um, in my case, handle some of like the business side of things just takes a huge load off of um, what was on my plate. And uh, yeah, I think it's. I don't, I don't um, have any employees of myself. I don't have um, someone who does like social media marketing or anything like that. But I feel like that's a little bit of the dream is that you could grow enough where you could um, outsource some help. And because it does take like a whole village sometimes. And right now my husband and mom and sister probably fill in some things like that um, just because they're great and they love me. But um, yeah, it's a lot for one person. So having help is always really great. So let's talk about social media. Um, are you on social media? I am. And I guess from the introvert standpoint, <laughs> again, thinking about others, right. um, what do you recommend to, for, for them to have that presence, even sure. though they are an introvert? Yeah, so I find that social media is very hard for me. I don't think it comes naturally to share. I think I'm a very private person, and a lot of the times I will be doing something and then later think, oh, I should have maybe taken a picture or documented it, even though I think it's also important to enjoy stuff like not through a camera lens to kind of be in the moment and not worry about sharing it with the world. But um, being in this industry, you also kind of, I think Instagram and Facebook, it's like a game that there are pros and cons to it, but you kind of have to play along. And um, I think it's important to have a healthy relationship with it. But something else I would recommend is to try to be um, as honest as possible. I think I know that um, it's very scary posting things that are that I feel are a bit like personal and vulnerable about like feelings I have or experiences I've had that don't look like what I expect other people to have. But I've always felt like if I post something that feels very uniquely me and um, if I feel a bit vulnerable before posting it, it's usually what 
has the best interaction and it's what I think makes my connection with my followers stronger where if I post something that is more how I expect things, how I expect people like what they want to see or what it should look like, it kind of blends in and I don't think it stands out. So I've, I found that social media is great in that I don't have to like talk to people. I can be in the comfort of my own home and be comfortable as an introvert, but I can share my ideas and thoughts. But um, yeah, I, it's important to remember to try to keep my voice as authentic as possible. I think it's hard, but um, whenever I do that, it's always it always feels better and I feel like then it's actually growing. It's not like um, stalling or blending in with the rest like I mentioned earlier. That's great advice and I too can relate to that because I'm thinking, you know, those posts where I was a little vulnerable, mm -hmm. they seem to be the best, yeah. the well, best received. Definitely, I think it's really nice when you can put into words what someone else really wanted to, but they weren't able to, or maybe they weren't even sure they were feeling it, but seeing it, it, kind of, it can be healing, I think, for yourself and for other people that, that see it. But um, yeah, I think it's definitely, I mean, you don't want to overshare, obviously, but I think it's really nice to share more like real life experiences and human thoughts and feelings and, um, not worry about like making it shiny and pretty and um, because that's just not real life. And yeah. I think a lot of us, I know myself, I see what other people are posting and sometimes it makes me feel worse about my life, which I, I really hate when that happens, but it's because um, it's like an edited version of other people's lives, but we don't see the, the background. And so whenever someone is very honest about something um, and they didn't worry about uh, like covering up anything that made them seem vulnerable. I always feel so much more connected to that person and then I feel better about myself and my life. So I try to, I, I want to do that too to the people that follow me. I don't want to, um, yeah, like make them feel any worse about right. anything. I'm curious to get your thoughts about LinkedIn. Have you, do you have a presence on LinkedIn and how is it compared to other platforms? Sure. So I do have a presence on there. I'm actually not very active on it, though. I think I kind of go through um, cycles with it. But for me, LinkedIn has been the most helpful for finding contact information for art directors or art buyers. But um, other than that, I, I haven't really made any connections on it. For me, Instagram has been where I'm the most active and where um, I think art directors are most of the time. So I know people who have gotten projects based on someone just seeing their profile profile or their artwork. And um, I don't think I would get a project just from being on LinkedIn by itself. Um, I think it's helpful to have both, but for me, it's, it hasn't been as useful as something that's purely visual. So if I can share with you, um, I, your, your exact statement is what I would have said one month ago. Okay. But I was told to take a deep dive into LinkedIn, oh. which I did. Okay. And I've been very active on LinkedIn for the past couple of weeks. Okay. And it's exploding. Really? Somewhere I thought I would have never had right. any, you know, audience or viewership or interaction. Mm -hmm. And and it's and it it's growing. So That's interesting. For you and others that are listening, I think it's you know, from what I'm seeing and, yeah. and heard, and wasn't my idea, I can't take the credit, <laughs> right. but um, it's definitely a growing platform because people are very, you know, all those very business-centric, mm -hmm. um, 
there's also that creative outlet for everyone. So okay. they're starting to interact with, with video and imagery oh, okay. and quotes. So you have so much content here that yeah. you're already posting on Instagram and everywhere right. else that now you could share it there and you may have a whole new audience. So that's really helpful. I'd love to see if you yeah. could try it. Yeah, I was wondering about that, like really like what being active on LinkedIn even meant um, because I haven't dived into it. But that is really interesting. Yes. I'll have to give that a go. I, I never would have thought of that. But um, yeah, I'm sure like I'll get into it and be like, wow, I've been missing out or something. <laughs> right, right. That's helpful, though. Thank you. Great. Well, look, this has been wonderful. Great conversation. Thank you. Um, you have so much going on, and you know, from the the book work to the to the greeting cards, which we didn't talk too much about. Are, is this still an active project uh, where yeah. you're coming up with new content? Uh, it's actually, honestly, been a while since I've come up with um, new greeting cards. So, the um, kind of common theme with those was. Uh, I always feel like I'm really bad at, about talking about my feelings. So. It's, it's always been easier to put it on paper. So I would put uh, things that I would want to say to the people I love on a card, and it, it would make like a really good card, and um, customers would relate to it and be like, I really wanted to say this, but I didn't know how, or just, yeah, like, how did you know? Like, this is our relationship, too. So um, that was a really great outlet in the beginning to uh, kind of like untangle all the feelings in my head and also... Um, try out different styles and, and types of illustration. And then once everything started picking up with books, that has been where a ton of my energy has gone. And uh, after I made the, the first coloring book, my mind was completely wiped out from like any creativity. So I had to take a break for a little bit. And uh, then it picked up again. But lately, I've been busy working on the new book idea. and. There's just, uh, I feel like I've drained myself of any sort of creativity, so I don't have much left over for those. But everything kind of balances throughout the year, so once the books slow down, then I revisit it, and it's kind of refreshing to come back to it like an old friend, sure. like, oh, this is where everything started. Yes. And um, yeah, and with that, there's no client, there's no, like, there's a customer who's buying it, but it's much more free to draw whatever I want to, say whatever I want to. So that part's really refreshing. And it's still on Etsy? Still on Etsy, okay, yeah. Great, great. So I know you have the memoir. If, if people want to contact you, um, how, what's the best way to reach out? Sure. So everything about me is on my website at uh, www.katievoz.com. And um, you can reach out to me on Instagram or uh, shoot me an email. My email address is on the website too. But I'm always happy to hear uh, if you want to ask questions or talk about food or travel, whatever. <laughs> great, great. And just a couple last questions. If you were to go back, say, again, about 10 years ago, um, anything that you would change or any advice mm -hmm. you would give to that younger self? I don't think, it's so interesting to think about that. I don't think I would change anything. Um, Sometimes in like the ups and downs of life, I feel like it's easy to wish things were different, but every where I am now, I would never give that up. Um, the good and the bad experiences I've had have led me to where I am and made me who I am, and I, I wouldn't trade that for anything. But the only thing I would tell myself, I guess, would be just to calm down. I think I'm always like doubting myself and worrying about things that 
I have no control over or things that just aren't worth worrying about. And um, if I could have started a bit earlier um, with having a bit more faith in myself and my abilities, that would be nicer. I don't, I don't know if it would have changed my path, but it would have saved my sanity a little bit, I think. <laughs> but like you said earlier, everything happens really for a, a purpose. Yeah, a reason. yeah, definitely. Um, I've always felt like, I guess when I was younger, I thought I kind of subscribed to like everything happens for a reason. And not so much anymore, but I feel like you can, you can learn from everything that happens, um, the good and the bad. And um, yeah, I don't know. I just I wouldn't trade anything, even though some of it was really hard. I think uh, where I am now is it's been worth it. So. At the end of the day, what do you want your legacy to be? Hmm. I think about that often. Like, what's the point of it all, really? Like, is it fame or money or I don't know? I think. I think just being. Um, like a little bit recognized for what I do and just for maybe putting into words more of the human experience and having something that other people can relate to and feel less alone. I think that would be really nice. <laughs> awesome. Katie Vaz, it's <laughs> been a pleasure. Welcome to the American Real family and thanks so much for sharing your story. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for tuning in to American Real. Be sure to visit our website, AmericanReal.tv, or search for us on iTunes or YouTube for past episodes. While you're there, please rate us or leave us a review, as that helps others find our show. I am truly grateful and appreciate all of your support. If you'd like to be part of our inner circle or want one-on-one -on -one coaching, check out the American Real Learning Academy, where we have self-help groups and courses so you can build the best you. We also have a new Facebook group where you can connect with high achievers from around the world. If you want to go even further, maybe you're determined to write your own book or launch your own podcast, contact me today to see if we could help. You can reach me through Instagram or Facebook or email me directly at roger at americanreal.tv. And speaking of podcasting, our next course will be starting soon. So if you're interested in launching your own podcast, join me and podcast your passion. I'll take you through my eight-week course where I'll mentor you to build a world-class podcast. I'm only taking on a small group of people who want to share their passion through broadcasting, where I'll have you up on iTunes and YouTube within weeks so you can podcast your passion. Click on the link below for more information.